My sermon this morning is entitled, The Word of God Endures Forever. I want us to go back in the winter, December of Christmas that year in 1993. Not, sorry, 1983. Got to go back further. Christmas 1983, I and Terry were in our last year of seminary at Columbia Theological Seminary there in Decatur, Georgia. She was six months pregnant with our first daughter, Erin, and we were in seminary and we were going out shopping. We didn't have anything to shop with, mind you, but we were going out shopping anyway. We, at that time, we were living on about $100 a week. She made babysitting a couple of uh, children for one of the professors at uh, Emory University, which was right down the street from Columbia. And I would occasionally make $100 preaching at a church on the weekends. And that is how we supported ourselves. And uh, the good Lord provided Anyway, we were out shopping at one of the malls there in Decatur, Georgia, and as we were shopping, we were in the Sears and Roebuck store. Now, I realize not many of those left, and we were in there, and we were just looking around, and there was a large crowd, and all of a sudden, people were running by us. And they were heading to one particular section of the store. And I thought, what's going on? It's one of these mad scrambles. Maybe they put something out that, that everybody wanted. And so we headed over there. And lo and behold, they had put out Texas Instrument basic computers. 1983, personal home computers were still not well known. And very few people had them. And so they were. And Today, we have a limited number, 50 of them, on sale for $250. And all it was, now mind you, was just the unit. It wasn't the screen. It wasn't the keyboard. It, they didn't even hardly use a mouse back in those days. It was just the box. And that's all it was, and $250. And people were grabbing them left and right. And I thought, my goodness, what is going on? And so I thought, wow, you know, one day I'm going to own a personal computer. <laughs> so, fast forward two years. We are in Savannah, Georgia. There I'm the pastor of my first church as a solo pastor, Montgomery Presbyterian Church, and I go to Terry, this was not at Christmas, this was in the, the spring of the year. I go to Terry and say, it's time, I've got to have a personal computer. And she goes, we can't afford a personal computer. I says, we'll go to the bank and we'll get a loan to buy a personal computer. And she says, ah, only if I get new living room furniture. Yeah, she's shaking her head. <laughs> so, I had to get a loan. $2,500 loan from the bank. 
to buy me a new computer and to buy new living room furniture for the church manse that we lived in. And so I remember signing going, gosh, I'm having to sign a note for a loan to the bank. And then I went out. I went out and I went to Radio Shack because Radio Shack had the best computers. I couldn't afford an IBM. So I went to Radio Shack, and Radio Shack had a computer line that some of you may remember called Tandy, the Tandy Computers. And I went in there, and I looked at the guy, and I said, I want the best computers you got. And he just smiled. <laughs> so I bought the best monitor at the time money can buy. I bought the best computing unit, the CPU, that you could get at the time. And do you know it had 28 thousand kilobyte memory in it. <laughs> it had a five and a quarter inch floppy drive that held another 64 kilobytes, kilobytes, not megabytes, not gigabytes, <laughs> kilobytes. For those of you who are not familiar with such a small number, that's thousands, not millions, not billions, not trillions, thousands. I got that. I got the best keyboard. I got the best printer. Dot matrix printer. Anybody remember dot matrix printers? And I came home and I set it up and I was working the disc because to load a program, you'd put a disc in, let it load, pull it out, put a disc in, let it load. And you had to keep doing that. And then when you needed something in the front, you had to put that back in. And it was within a week that I'd already messed up my software by laying the floppy disk on top of the CPU, which caused the magnetic force to erase the program. I went back and they were very kind and reloaded the program for me. And I thought to myself, this'll last me all my career. I'll never have to buy another computer. <laughs> Six months later, I go into the Tandy store, and I'm looking around. I said, what is this? And I said, oh, this is the latest and greatest. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this is the latest and greatest. And I said, my computer won't do this. No, you'll have to buy a new one. <laughs> what? <laughs> I still had two years of debt service to pay off. And there, and there I learned that computers like flowers are here today and gone tomorrow. Just recently here in the church, we discovered kind of by accident that our front desk computer that Mary uses every day was actually nine years old, and it wasn't running right, and we thought, we just bought that. <laughs> and fortunately, her computer husband was able to build us a new computer, and she should be good at least for another, I don't know, five years, maybe six years, who knows. But... It doesn't last. It doesn't last. Isn't that funny? You think about things, oh, this will last forever. 
and it doesn't last. So our prophet today, the prophet Isaiah, here in the 40th chapter, he's talking about, he's talking about things that don't last. And he's, he's very serious in that regard. He says, all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them, and surely the people are grass. We are the grass in that sense. Nothing endures. Is that true? Now, a couple of weeks ago, Robert Drawn came to Bible study, and he handed me this month's issue of National Geographic. And he handed it to me for the article about Jerusalem, tremendous article about Jerusalem and all the excavations they are doing in the old city of Jerusalem. And down there in the caverns, you still find the things that the Bible talks about. And you find the cisterns, you find the tunnels, you find this and that, and they continue to dig it out. There was an article in there about this family from America bringing their daughter over to do their bath, her bath mitzvah, not bar mitzvah, but bath mitzvah, underneath the Temple Mount in Old Jerusalem. And I'm thinking, now that is some more bath mitzvah. And I wonder how much that set the father back. But it was talking about that. But what was in that National Geographic that also caught my attention was the article about plastic. Now, you know, we all love plastic. We love the convenience of plastic. We love the disposability of plastic. But as this article began to reveal, their plastic just exists. It is not like the grass of the field. It's filling up the landfills. They have found plastic in the deepest parts of the ocean. There is molecules of plastic now in the snow in Antarctica. We breathe in nanoparticles of plastic each and every day. Plastic is everywhere. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't break down easily. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hmm, plastic endures for a long time. And a million years from now, archaeologists, if there are any, They'll be digging, oh, yes, this was the plastic age. We can tell because it'll be full. So much so that my daughter, Whitney, who is an employee up at uh, Vanderbilt University, she said, beginning January 1, you're not going to believe, they banned all plastic on the campus. They took out all the soda machines in the bookstores and in the lunchrooms and the cafeterias. No plastic of any kind can be used. They gave us all a brand new water bottle and put in water bottle stations to fill up your water. And Vanderbilt is going totally green without plastic. And I thought, well, that's something to behold. And so, I don't know, if you get caught carrying a plastic bottle on campus, does that mean that they're going to throw you in the campus jail and fine you? It's a possibility, I suppose. But plastic is one of those things that we probably need to be concerned about. But, you know, it'll take us 100 years to find an alternative. 
Now, if you really want to be hip this Christmas season, you can go at Walmart or Amazon or some of the others, and you can order metal straws to give to someone. It comes with its own case and its own little cleaning brush to do in that. And wow, you can just make somebody's day. Metal straws. And I suppose if, if nothing else, you can use them to run water or something. I don't know. But things that endure, those are things. But eventually even plastic will break down. It may take it 10,000 years. It may take it 50,000 years. But like all of humankind, those things break down as well. But here, here the prophet specifically talking about us as a people. Now, what does endure in our lives? You know, Whenever I am down in Georgia visiting my mom and dad, I always go out to the family, to the church cemetery where a great many of our family members are buried. And I go out there and I look and I, I inspect the graves and go over that and was talking with my dad's youngest brother one day who was out there with me and I was telling Randy, I said, look, we're going to have to do something about some of these headstones and some of these graves because they're starting to deteriorate. And he goes, yeah, I know, we've got to do something about them. And even granite, limestone, will eventually wear away. Even though, look at this permanent marker we put out there. Well, it's permanent for a generation, maybe two. But even then, it begins to fade away. What we think of. And we think of our own lives in that regard, our own lifespans. We look at newborn babies. We've been baptizing babies the last two weeks, you know. And we look at young children and think, wow. They're going to live a long time. And then we look at older folks and say they have lived a long time. But in the course of God's creation, it is here today and gone tomorrow. It is fleeting, if you will. And so we need to be prepared for that. We need to be thinking about that, about what, what does endure. Now, the prophet tells us, at verse 8, he says it quite frankly, better than I can say it. Just simply put, he says, but the word of our God stands forever. What endures the word of God? And that is what I need to talk most about today. Things change in our lives. We age. We work we retire, clothes come in fashion, go out of fashion, children grow up, grandchildren are born, they grow up, great-grandchildren may even come. All these things, they are but as a watch passing in the night. But there are things that endure forever. And the Word of God is one of those things. You know, it is amazing, this book that we call our Bible. We know that, especially in the Old Testament, that we have found the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran Scrolls, other scrolls that date from 
right before the birth of Jesus to right after the birth of Jesus of the Old Testament. And when the scholars over these last 50 years have translated that, lo and behold, what we have in our Bible is almost verbatim what is in those scrolls. God's word in his Bible endures forever. And as the New Testament came into existence and into place, it too has become the standard and we can go. The translations might translate words differently a little bit, but the message of the Bible is consistent throughout the ages. It says in its very beginning verses that in the beginning God created the heavens and the world and how by his word he spoke the word. He inspired those of ancient times by his Holy Spirit to write down words and they did and we have that. And 250 years from now, if the Lord has not returned the Bible will still be used as the Word of God. It will endure far longer than our lives will ever endure. Generations from now will still be picking up this book or on their tablet, or maybe it will project through their glasses. I don't know, but the Word of God will continue. We read from the Gospel of John this morning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and it is talking about Jesus Christ as the Word of God, and that from the very beginning, Jesus was there. The Word of God is something that is foundational from the very beginning, not just in our lifetime. It is not something that is just familiar to us, but it is familiar to God's people down through the thousands of years. It is something that endures. And even if, by some possible means, every copy of the Scripture were destroyed in the world, the Word of God would continue because Jesus Christ is a living Lord. He endures forever. So when we think about things in our lives that are important, there are things that are important to us at different times in our lives, different situations in our lives. There are things that are important in times of birth, in times of death, in times of sickness, in times of prosperity, and in times of want. But God's word is something that we can always turn to. It never goes out of date. It never becomes obsolete. It never fades away. It is there. And for us human beings, for us who are unsure of sometimes what even tomorrow holds, there we need to be sure that we are holding the Word of God in our minds and in our hearts. It is strength, it is promise, it is assurance.
For the word of God tells us that one day when this life, when the grass fades and we are no more in this world, that by the Lord Jesus Christ, we will endure, we will last, we will touch and be in the presence of God for as long as there is still to come. At Christmas, it is an enduring tradition now for us. Many things that we do, traditions that we have, but perhaps the most important thing is a reminder that Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promise in his word. By sending his son into the world, God sent him that we might have more than just this time, more than just this life, more than just this temporary existence but everlasting life. It is a marvelous promise, and it endures because it is from the very word of God. So my friends, think of all those things in life that pass away, but hold on. Take your comfort, find your strength, and that which endures forever, the very word of our God. Thanks be to God, who has generously given us his word. Amen.